Good morning. This sermon could be called What to Do After Jesus Goes to Space. Because it is, as Oliver rightly observed, about Jesus going up into heaven. And it certainly seemed like, that's what it seemed like to the disciples who were watching Jesus as they stood gazing at Jesus' feet, apparently disappearing into the clouds. And I will be honest, I did seriously give some thought to having some feet (laughs) dangling from up there, maybe some fluffy cotton to give us the illusion of heaven. But what our dilemma is now is we know that Jesus isn't literally in the sky. We've long ago abandoned the idea of a three-tiered universe where there's a realm below us and there's this world that we walk around in and then a heavenly realm like stories in a three-story building, even though the language that we use, the art that we consume, pop culture, all of those still reinforce that idea of the three. I mean, we sang it this morning, over my head. I hear music in the, in the air. Up there is where God is, somewhere. So let me begin by establishing Jesus is not an astronaut. Not floating in space like, uh, what's his name in gravity? George. George, yeah. I couldn't remember if it was Sandra Bullock or George Clooney. No, no. George Clooney was the one who floated off into space. Spoiler alert, sorry. <laughs> but the Bible and other ancient texts have many examples of beloved leaders or pious or righteous people ascending into heaven, becoming one with God being subsumed by the divine. So Luke was telling it like he saw it, or like people were telling him stories about what what happened in this case. So three-tiered universe or no, Jesus did depart. Jesus left his disciples, and he left this community of followers, and they did stare into an emptiness with confusion and dismay. In the story, so much so that two mysterious robed figures had to say, hey, snap out of it, guys. But there they are with this uncertainty of, so what next? What do we do now? But Jesus has not left them with nothing. He has spent, according to Acts, 40 days with his followers, instructing them to say nothing of those years before, those years of ministry and companionship and discipling his disciples. And on his way up, he gives them some instructions. First, wait. What? Waiting is hard. Aren't we supposed to go do something? Who likes to wait? Not Mennonites. 
(laughs) Waiting around is an exercise in frustration or boredom. It's emptiness. It is what some of you, maybe especially the kids, are doing right now, hoping I'll wrap this up quickly. Let's get on to fellowship time. We have a picture book at our house right now, which Naomi brought home from the library, called I'll Wait, Mr. Panda. Mr. Panda, big fluffy panda, is baking something. He has a bowl, he's stirring, and one by one, different animals come up to him and ask him, what are you making, Mr. Panda? Or is it ready yet, Mr. Panda? And Mr. Panda answers every time, no, it's a surprise, you'll have to wait, or some variation of that. It's not ready yet, please wait. And each animal huffs off, waiting is too hard, I hate waiting, goodbye. They're very huffy. Yeah, waiting is hard. But it does not have to be meaningless. This week, Rita sent a poem to those of us on spiritual leadership team that she had written, right? It's your poem, called Silence. And I was especially struck um, by the appropriateness of the last two stanzas, which read, Wait. Wait for the space between the thoughts, between the words. Wait. God lives in the space between She didn't even know I was planning this. God in the space between, indeed. I was waiting for something and it arrived. Waiting can be a drag, but waiting can also be growth. I am impatient this time every year when I want the seeds that I've planted in the earth the beans and the peas, to become the shoots poking out. And every morning I go look to see, is it there yet? But waiting is not waiting if you are the seed. That time is active, working, growing, reaching toward the sun and the warmth. Maybe when I go home from church today the water and the sun will have worked together and there will be some shoots the disciples wait as Jesus said to receive the Holy Spirit again if I heard that from Jesus I'm not sure I would know what to do with that what even is the Holy Spirit are we still asking that question today I'm going to let Megan answer that one next week. But when the disciples finally shake their heads and come back to their senses after this bizarre experience of watching Jesus rise into the air, what they do is what they have been in the practice of doing. They spend time together in community, in prayer, in worship, and in fellowship. They don't just stand on the hill with their mouths agape. Their waiting is threaded through with worship. They go from that place and are, as the story goes, gathered in constant prayer. And we are inheritors of this tradition. We gather in worship, just as Megan said, with the children 
to wait together, to listen for the Spirit, to pray, to intercede on behalf of ourselves and the world before God. And our worship, each time we gather, refocuses our gaze on the one who has created us, who is in our midst and in all places. We sing, we pray, we hear the story of God's people. For us, worship is a time to center and ground us in the one whose we are, to redirect our hearts and our minds on the one whom we follow. Jesus' community, the community of disciples, in that moment, they are beginning to become church. And as we observe it, they're teaching us what it means to be Christ-following community. They're still figuring it out, of course, just like we are. They don't know yet that now that Jesus' literal body is gone, it will be they who will be Jesus' body present in the world. Jesus knows. That prayer that Thalia read so beautifully, it's clear from that prayer from John that Jesus is entrusting his disciples to be a community that communes with God. That he longed for their unity with each other, and to be held and beloved by God. They are not alone. They have each other, and soon they will be anointed with Jesus' spirit. His departure from them allows them the room that they need to become open to the spirit, to become church, and to extend church beyond who they are and into the world, to extend the body of Christ to all places. And all of that being said, that does not make the waiting easier. They don't like it. We don't like it. They say to him, is now the time, Jesus? They're like those animals coming to Mr. Panda, except they're not asking Jesus whether he's making cookies. They're asking about, is now the time when you're going to overthrow the government? Is now the time for us? They're asking about monarchies and kingdoms. And like Mr. Panda, Jesus says, no, you just have to wait. It is not for you to know. And by the way, and as I've been teaching you for the last three years, the reign of God is not about land. It is about the sovereignty of God. And as Jesus becomes one with the divine, it is about Jesus' sovereignty over all things and in all places. And your allegiance, disciples, is not to a king or a ruler or to a human being on earth, but to the one who made you and is within you. And in addition to waiting, Jesus gave them one more instruction. You are to be my witnesses. Tell the story. Tell the story of Jesus' life. Tell what he taught and did. Tell about his unjust death and his triumph over evil. 
tell about his return to life and his sovereignty over all things and in all things and through all creation. And tell the story, not just here in Jerusalem, to each other. Tell it everywhere. Don't stop telling. Worship, witness. Two pieces of a very active waiting. Their prayer and worship, connecting them to God and waiting on the Spirit. Telling the story to each other enables them to pass along outside the community so the story keeps going. Outside their nation, into the world. The story of Jesus spreading because Jesus left his disciples there to tell it. We are inheritors of that witness instruction too. Wait with words and without them and then tell with words and without them, with action. The who and what and how of Jesus and of God's love for all people. In the story of Mr. Panda, along with all of the other animals that flew and strutted and bunny hopped away, there's one little penguin. And each time Mr. Panda said, wait, and the animals Scurried away, the little penguin says, Oh, wait, Mr. Panda. And when finally Mr. Mr. Panda is finished, the one little penguin who waits gets the payoff. Spoiler alert, again, it's a giant donut. (laughs) I think through our words, this community of Seattle Mennonite Church, and our actions as a community of faith, we've already put our little penguin fins up in the air and said, oh, wait. But we're not waiting for a donut. There are no donuts back there, are there? Not today. Sometimes. Sometimes we're literally waiting for a donut. We're not waiting for a donut. Mr. Penguin offers a giant donut, but I offer you the sweetness of the Holy Spirit. Listening for the Spirit, we discern the way that we will follow Christ in the matters of our land and labor and capital. We gather in silence. We release our hopes and prayers and intentions to each other and the Spirit. And little by little, we move forward with trust. And we are witnesses. We are dedicating the time of our staff, our resources, many of us volunteers, to the work of companioning people experiencing homelessness. Melanie and Jonathan are powerful witnesses to this, and it is a blessing to be able to bless them today. We are actively discerning what it means to move beyond reconciliation and into reparations. We are standing in the hot sun outside of First UMC offering rainbow slushies to participants in the Pride Parade every year because we believe that every child, every human being is a child made in the image of God and that Jesus' love is for all people. Witnesses. And we can be any in any or all of these post-ascension phases at the same time or one at a time. 
And that's really the best that I can do for myself when I feel myself asking, what, what are we even doing? Jesus is not here. I don't know. What is Jesus calling me to? What leader do I follow? <clears throat> when, when the leader that I follow is up there, out there, somewhere. Someone who did great things and had great things to say, but now what? Now what? I have this. Wait. Do it actively and with intention. And expect the Holy Spirit to show up. Worship. Refocus on loving and being loved by God. And witness. Tell the story of Jesus. Enact the story of Jesus. Be the body of Christ. He left so that we could be. May it be so. Amen.